Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come, join us along our shared path for today's episode. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now, today, I wish that I had the technological expertise to have put some visual images together because you guys have a fabulous AV setup and we could have done this, but I didn't. So I ask you to open your inner eye so that you can see the visuals that I'm going to tell you about. In cave hunters came upon an amazing discovery, the cave of Le Chauvet. So I see some of you know it, and some of you may have seen the Werner Herzog film about it, The Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Anyway, this spectacular find of ancient artwork predates anything that we had ever seen before drawn by humans by about 17,000 years. The walls of this ancient cave are covered with lions and rhinoceros and panthers and hyenas and huge bears, all lying undisturbed since a landslide 25,000 years ago. The paintings come from two different times, the first from 32,000 years ago and the next from some 5,000 years later. And these are not paintings from the hands of neophytes, somebody who just decided to pick up a stick of charcoal one day. These are images from practiced artists using the um, undulations in the walls of the cave to enhance the, um, the structure of these animals to give them life and energy so that it really feels as though they're alive. And you can imagine that by torchlight, they would seem to move. <coughs> Some images are superimposed one over another and these multiple images may have been painted thousands of years apart. Can you imagine an artist today picking up the same brush, as it were, of someone who lived 
at the time of the pharaohs, for example, we would have no concept of the worldview, the culture, the cosmic understanding of an earlier artist. And so it would be impossible to create authentically in the same style. Yet these artists, spanning thousands of years, were in an unbroken line who had a similar worldview and ability to create. On the other side of the world, an anthropologist visited petroglyphs in Australia with an Aboriginal guide. It was apparent that some of the images had been created quite recently because they showed aircraft and cars. The anthropologist thought this was terrible and mourned the desecration of this ancient artwork, but the guide explained that in their culture, the artist doesn't work as an individual, but as part of an ongoing spiritual and artistic soul of the whole community, past and present. Today, we're in Trinity Sunday, a stumbling block to non-Christian monotheists and Christian preachers alike, though in different ways. Non-Christians can't understand how it makes sense for one God to manifest as three persons. And preachers can't figure out how to talk about it without putting whole congregations to sleep. <laughs> when I saw Herzog's documentary about the cave paintings, it was remarkable to me that this artwork came from a time some 30,000 years before Jesus walked the earth. And 28,000 years of theism. And yet, we think of Jesus as co eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, begotten of his Father before all worlds began. We think of the Spirit of God brooding over the waters at creation, long before the earth was born, certainly long before any humans were on it. So the Trinity has been present since the dawn of creation. Trinity, if not a human concept, an attempt to describe the limitless and undescribable reality of God. We make theology to try to describe a reality we already know we're never going to be able to encompass. Tradition has people statements about God to writing. You can find them in the prayer book, in the Nicene, and the Apostles' Creed, and then in the back of the book, there's the Athanasian Creed, which has a lot to say about the Trinity, a doctrine so hotly contested that it split the church into East and West, a breach that still exists today. The problem with reducing articles of faith to writing is that we end up confusing what is written with the truth itself, confusing the ink with the meaning. Words are finite, and truth, like God, is not. The writing merely reflects the truth, truth that's been experienced in a way that mere words can't describe. When you're looking for truth 
in the written word, you have to remember that it's already a translation of experience. In the case of the Trinity, we experience God as triune before writing the word Trinity. The words Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came long after the experience of the fullness of God. And so, while the experience of God continues to reveal itself all the time to humanity, human understanding moves on and words change. One person might think of God as father, while another might identify God as parent, or mother, or creator, or even friend. It's the experiential relationship that's being defined that counts, not the words used. No words can contain God. God is too big for our brains. None of the creeds can contain God, nor can ink and paper. And we live in a post-enlightenment world, one in which we're learning just how limiting words can be. While God may be absolute, our understanding of God is not. So modern Christians have been using other words to expand our understanding. Greek words like Sophia, wisdom, logos, the word of God, and pneuma, the breath or spirit of God. Parallel words like creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Some dialectic, metaphysical words like energy, wisdom, life, justice, love, mercy. Like the ancients who painted images on cave walls, or the early Christian theologians who hammered out the creeds, people of our generations want to more accurately describe their experience of the holy. But of course, it has always been and will be impossible to apprehend God. That's why the Hebrews, in their wisdom, refuse to even name God, because words just aren't sufficient. And it's a kind of an insult to try to name God, since it has to be a limitation. Reading and learning about God have never been ends in themselves, but efforts to get at the real thing which is to know, to experience, to love God. That's what we're really trying to do with all this talk. How do we find God? How do we find love and mercy and redemption? If you go outside on a clear night, you see the same lights of heaven that illuminated the sky 32,000 years ago at Yoshebe. We look up and we see the hand of God at work, but we only see the tiniest fraction of the universe. Like our knowledge of God, we see and know in part. Our bodies and our minds in comparison are teeny, and yet we believe that God finds a home in us. Just as God is out beyond the Milky Way, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, all of it. God is there in what we see and in what we can't see. 
The creation story in Genesis that we heard read so well this morning is one of two in our Bible created by different cultures at different times. Today, we tell a different creation story with its roots in the scientific community, a story which adds to our understanding of the fullness of God. In 2 Corinthians, we hear Paul's letter end with one of the first expressions of the Trinity, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. It's a different order from the one we usually hear, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But think of it for a minute. Isn't this how Christians become Christians? Through somebody in our lives, we meet Jesus. And through him, we come to know the love of God. And at some point, we come to understand that God's work on earth is done in community and that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, then, is our gateway into the Trinity. And so we come in the cycle of the church year to this Sunday. The dramatic events of death are over. His resurrection and ascension have been told once again. We've experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And now we come full circle to hear once again the story of creation. And to hear from Paul and Jesus in the words of Matthew, the germ of the idea of the Trinity, the way God works in the world. And we're the ones who are left. We're the ones who are left to tell that story. We're the ones who go out into the world to proclaim the good news of love and reconciliation. People don't become Christians because because they see people acting out of love. As Christians, we bear witness to how God acts in our lives as creator, parent, redeemer, brother, spirit. Trinity Sunday is a day for us to celebrate how the church lives out its understanding of God and to wrestle with what God means in our lives and in our faith community. It's a time to hear how God has acted in history, but also in our faith community. Where this comes down is where and when we recognize that we are all, all created in the image and likeness of God. It's a day for this community to celebrate the life of the risen Christ. In other words, to live as Jesus lived, a welcoming and inclusive life, a day to know ourselves as the inheritors of those spirit-filled disciples who went forth into the world, baptizing in the name of the limitless and holy household of God. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. 
If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations. 